If you want a property, who are you going to call? <laughs> Not Ghostbusters. Not this time. Life's Inside Track with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. They'll share life experiences, tips, techniques, thoughts, and tools to help you create life exponential. Life's Inside Track with Ken and Yetta Decker. Moving forward with the Decker Team. Moving forward together with the Decker Team. So we're excited to welcome you to another episode of Life's Inside Track. I'm Yetta Decker, and today I'm with Kelly Wilson of the Wilson Team. And the great news is today we're still going to share techniques, thoughts, tips, and tools that we all deserve. You, I, everyone. So we get to turn our house into home and where our families thrive and we live the best life possible. We're going to consider today, even though you may be able to qualify for a conventional mortgage on a house, and I think most of us have started realizing that going to a mortgage specialist might be the wisest choice, even with a conventional house. But what if, what if you want to buy land or you want to build a new home, whether one that you're building yourself or one that you are having constructed out with a contractor or with a big builder? Like, how are you going to finance that? So fortunately, pretty excited that today I get to sit with Kelly Wilson, who is the person I would call. If I was getting a mortgage of any kind on anything, I'm calling you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, and I do. So I know I you do. That, yeah. That's fair, right? Absolutely. So we yes. can give, we'll share some of those stories. Yeah, I we think. have some stories. We have stories. <laughs> but first, I just want you to kind of open up the conversation if somebody's buying land i often get phone calls when i have vacant lots for sale whether it's something that has a a cabin on it or whether it's something that is purely vacant land it may already have a garage on it i've sold a few of those but i can't live in it how is that different to finance that than a principal residence what do i have to do what do i have to know kelly So it's a really good question. We get it a lot because people (laughs) have um, great dreams and and ideas that they could build, you know, the home that they want, you know, from scratch. But land is not as easy to finance in terms of what the banks are looking for to be able to put security on. So when you're looking at land, um, most banks don't actually want to provide financing at all at all. So uh, you do have to have some capital behind you. Uh, you can look at maybe going to uh, even your local branch to do a note loan, but mortgages are not going to be what Now I'm going to stop you for a moment. Mm-hmm. I love that. Don't go to your bank. Don't go to your mortgage specialist. You can maybe get private lending. Yeah, maybe, we can, but even that is going to be really expensive because you can't live in land. No, and I and even if you're purchasing land, you're going to have to have a substantial amount down, right? The bank right. is the bank um, is probably not going to lend more than 50, 60, 70%. So a lot of people are saying, "Okay, well if I've got equity in my own home currently, maybe I can look at putting a line of credit on that and maybe partial savings to be able to cover that and hold it for long term." If you are looking to buy land and build right away, mm-hmm. then there's definitely opportunity to get what's called a construction mortgage. Okay. So you could look at wrapping the build in with the land on the purchase. Okay. But there there has to be work done before because before you close on the land, if you want to you know, get a mortgage for 50 or 75% of it, the bank wants to know that you've got the plans in place. So your drawings, all of your services, your con- your general contractor has to be. So we need to know what that looks like after the build. What's the appraised value after the build? And what's it going to cost to get to each stage 
of that construction. But just to go out and buy land and hold it is going to be extremely difficult to get an actual mortgage on it. And right. Basically, the answer is no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so can you explain exactly what a note loan is? So I'm sure people are asking. There, you might be asking, like, what is it? Sounds good. What is it? It It is similar to uh, a mortgage. I mean, it's just similar to an actual loan that you would go out and get. So um, we don't do note loans through our channel, unfortunately. That That is done on a branch level. And the other thing with land is that it's very difficult to know what the purpose of that land is for the banks. So whether uh, you can actually do anything with it, you know, what is the um, agricultural on it? So it's there's just a lot of work that has to go in to when you're purchasing land and what the actual purpose can be later on. So when you're buying it, you know, you want to do all that. That's what your job is to do all that due diligence prior to closing to make sure that the use of the property can actually be for what it's servicing. And even if there's a cabin, because we get that a lot where people yeah. want to buy a cabin and I want to live in a hundred acres and have a cabin. We don't use the cabin as any form of security. Right. Because so it isn't. It really it's a, isn't. It's kind of a shed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, whether Scott, we call no. it an A-frame, whether we call it a bunkie, whether we say it look overlooking the lake, it doesn't really matter. It's basically a shed. Yeah. And we we had a client call last week and they said, we want to we want to buy something and, and rent it out. You know, have that cabin where people can go away and they can be off the grid, as as you like to say. And you know, could I get a mortgage on it? And and could I rent it out? And it needs to have services. It needs to be able to provide actual shelter for somebody. So if you just want to get away in the summer and have a little cabin to go to, there's not going to be a lot of value placed on that property. How about no value? No on value. That? Let's go with no value. Let's go yeah. with no, no value. value. <laughs> yeah. If you're thinking, I do want more information about building or about land, and we're going to talk a little bit more about building in a minute, but if you want to stay connected around your options, just send us an email. Here's the subject line. So big. Together. That's all you have to say is together in the subject line, and you're going to send it to together at DeckerTeam.com. And what it's going to allow us to do is stay connected with you, giving you great insight as you go and give you a forum to ask us questions whenever you want, even from one of our guests like Kelly. And so, Kelly, as we think about the new construction, we kind of touched on it for a moment. What are those things you have to think about if you're going to do new construction whether it be a construction like a custom build or the other one I think that so many people are doing, because that's more of a, a niche market, mm -hmm. the custom build, right? Mm -hmm. The more traditional is from a big builder. Yeah. Going to one of the builders and you've got an 18-month or a 24-month close and you got to figure out about your financing. Talk to me about that. Talk to us about that. So the the people why people like to you know go to a builder in in order to purchase is because they can generally do it with less money out of their pocket. So a builder might only require maybe 5, 10, 15% deposit where a custom build you're going to need a lot more capital up front to get that build complete. The thing to remember though with um going to a builder is number 1 you do have to put out a deposit and there may be carrying costs and interest costs on that for the duration of the time. And there's a lot of things that can change within that time frame when you're waiting for a property. So uh for example, if your job changes, if you, you know, go from your permanent position to a contract position or self-employed position, that could affect 
your uh, ability to purchase in one to two years. If anything changes with your health, if things change with the government, the rules change. And right, we've seen that a few times where the government changes the way you qualify. Uh, For example, right now, stress tests are much higher than they were a year ago. So if a client hasn't um, gotten that approval done ahead of time, uh, or they're waiting or something changes, that stress test is now two to 3%, sometimes 4% higher than what they were qualifying when the mortgage rates were 2%. And now they're acting as if they're qualifying at seven. Uh, the other thing that can change too is values, right? So when you're at the peak of the market and the builders are asking top, top price, and now you're waiting 18 months and now the more, uh, the housing market is balanced, the appraisals may not come in at what you paid. So there's a lot of things that you need to consider and making sure all of those ducks are in order when you go to make that purchase so that when any of those things happen, you're still in a position to qualify to close on that property, even right. if it comes in short. Right. So really, I think what Kelly is saying is you want to make sure you have a fair bit of extra cash in the background before you do it. And I mean, my question for you is, who are you going to call if you're thinking about doing any of this stuff? And I know the answer you ought to be giving, and that is Kelly. And so we're excited that we've been able to come alongside you moving forward together in wealth, wisdom, and worth. Is a cottage an investment? So we're excited that we've been able to create for you free access to over 587 Life's Inside Track episodes where we share insider tips, making house home, how to grow wealth. And the great news is you can get access to them from home, from the office or on the go. And they're on our YouTube channel. So you might want to hook into that as well. And so we're going to explore in this segment when you're buying an investment property or you're buying a cottage, it is even more important to call somebody that I would call a strategist than any other time. It is more important to call, have Kelly in your corner, call Kelly and have her in your corner. So we're going to like unpack cottages a little bit, and then we'll move into investment properties which sometimes cottages are too. So we're kind of confusing people already. Why am I doing that? (laughs) So are all cottages created equal? No, they are definitely not created equal. Okay. So say more about that. So it's important when you're looking to buy something, uh, and we call it second home, vacation home, cottage property. It doesn't have to be necessarily on water, but they all have different attributes, amenities, and just like when insurance is looking to put insurance on how close are you to fire hydrants and what is your water access? So the banks want to know, number one, is it shelter, right? That's always, it always goes back to, is it shelter? And we have type A properties, we have type B properties and type A properties are going to be your traditional home, right? Where you've got proper heating sources, you've got proper water intake, you've got um, proper deeded access and all of those things are really important. And I, yeah. And I tend to call them lake houses. Yeah. Is that right? Like we think of them as a house. Yep. It's It's a a secondary house. It's a secondary dwelling. And those are a properties. Right. And they're great because you can actually still buy a second property at 5% down. So you don't need 20% down when purchasing any, like we've got a property in Trombla and you know, if you wanted to buy something in BC or anywhere else in Canada as a vacation home, you can still buy with 5% down as long as you qualify to carry your mortgage along with that mortgage. But if you wanted to 
do what a, a, many people are doing is saying, how do I offset some of the costs of that? So I'm not carrying that mortgage alone, carrying the taxes alone and the maintenance and things like that you have to keep up with. You could actually rent it out part-time. And a lot of people are doing that where they're saying, um, I'm not going to use it all the time. There's going to be months I may not go. There might be weeks or weekends I may not go. And could I put it out on Airbnb, do short-term rental? Um, or maybe it's six months a year where people go to Florida for half the year and they want to rent it out. So if you're doing a rental property, you do need to cover the 20% down. If it's just a pure second home or vacation home, then we can still get away with 5% down. When we have to look at putting more than the 5% down second home, you have to look at, uh, we go back to the water intake. Is it, is it lake water? Um, has it, you know, been purified ultraviolet? Uh, what is the deeded access? Cause a lot of times in cottage properties, you may not own the access into the road. You've got maybe a deal with your neighbor, you know, that's just said, yeah, go ahead. You can use it for years and years and years. But if there's ever a dispute with your neighbor, the bank's going to have a problem with how do I get into that property? Right. So access is the big piece, access right? Is when you're talking piece. about secondary dwellings mm-hmm. or I get secondary properties, if there isn't easy access, like if it's water access only. Yep. That's another. That's a harder another, to finance, yep, right? Absolutely. You're going to need more down. Right. And so access really matters. And I think it's one of those things that people don't care. Mm -hmm. They're totally happy because it's worked well for 50 years. And so, of course, it's going to be fine. But there needs to be documentation, I think, is what what I'm hearing you say. And it needs to be on title. Right. And heating source is a big one, too. How is the property being heated? So you have the three season, you have the house, and then you have where we go back to the cabin, which may be a lot more difficult. Like I said, if it's just you know, four walls on a piece of land, then we're going back to that land. The land's going to have value for sure, but. But you're not going to finance. But it's going to, yeah, it's going to be much more difficult to to get. Unless you're financing it, as you mentioned in the other segment about against your own principal residence or you have another source or you're paying cash. It's more just that the banks don't see it as a place. And I love that term that you've been using. It's not shelter. Right. I mean, it may be shelter from the windstorm, but it's not truly a four walls, safe, heated sewer or septic. It's not service shelter. Right. And And so then it doesn't count. We are unfortunately in the 2020s. And so we can't go back to code from, you know, a hundred years ago. Different. Well, there wasn't mortgages then either. People built with the cash they had. Yeah, absolutely. And, but a type B property would have to be uh, 10% down and not every bank's going to do them. So you have to know which bank is going to do the type B and the type B, how much money they're going to require. So that's part of working with a broker is knowing which lenders are going to do what uh, in terms of financing. So, right. So you're thinking, okay, I got more questions. I thought I knew a fair bit of stuff and now I'm not, you know what, again, let's stay connected. Let's move forward together. So just send us an email at together at together at deckerteam.com. I know it's kind of confusing, but so easy if you just say together, basically we just want to do this thing together is what we're really saying. So that's all you need to do. And we will make sure we keep you updated on the market as well as give you introductions to great people like Kelly that can help you on your buying journey, no matter what you're buying. So as we move into investment properties a little bit, I mean, I understand a cottage can be an investment property, but let's look at more conventional investments that we're not using also as a vacation place. What do I want four units? Do I want six units? Do I want 12 units? What are the rules, the differences? Why do I care? So it's important in the sense that when you're looking at buying any type of investment, 
Obviously, the more units, the more work, right, for the buyer. However, it's a lot easier to qualify for more units than it is to qualify for one to five units. So one to five units, you're qualifying as a residential purchaser. So we're only looking at, um, uh, yes, the numbers on the building in terms of what the rent, uh, you can use rent towards your income, but we're also looking at your income. So all of your income, any of your mortgages, any of um, your debts, any of your debts all have to be included in that qualification. So it's getting harder and harder for people even just to go up by a single rental property, right? A single family home or a condo or something. Uh, of that nature. But once you hit that six units or five plus units, you can actually become a commercial client. So we take your numbers out of the equation. We're still looking at you as an overall borrower. Right. You still have to, you still have, to have good credit. You still, you still have to have been paying your bills. And you still got to have to have it together. Yeah, absolutely. But we're now looking solely based on that building and what the numbers are on that building. So um, you can get CMHC financing on that building where on a single unit rental, you're not doing CMHC, right? You've got to right. put 20% down, you're doing conventional lending. But with a multi-unit, it's under, we call it commercial, mm-hmm. and you've got multiple units, uh, you can do 5% down, 10% down, 15% down. So there's different programs available through CMHC to be able to do less money down and work solely with the building and can, you know, leave your numbers completely out of, out of the game. So it's becoming a lot more attractive for investors because it's a way to scale quicker. Um, technically, uh, it's, it's a way to qualify easier right? And um, if you don't do CMHC, we do a lot of private financing as well, um, where, you know, taking older buildings and turning them over is really popular right now. So we're doing one. Yeah. 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 You guys are doing Mm -hmm. a a great one right now. So maybe Mm -hmm. the rents are low because the people have been there for a really long time, but it is usually reflected in the price. It is. Right. It is. So um, we've we've done a lot where somebody will take a private financing for maybe one to two years and they'll slowly turn the building over. They'll slowly renovate it. They'll bring the, the, the values of the rent back mm-hmm. up and then we can take it back out with traditional financing once the building um, is performing a little bit better, right, to get the higher amounts exactly. back from the bank. And, and that's a, a great way to refinance. Pull capital back out, maybe and get all your money back if you yeah <laughs> if you do if it right you do it right. And so the eighth wonder of the world is the compound rate of return leveraged. It doesn't get any better than that, and that's what Kelly's talking about. So we're thanks thankful that we've been able to go alongside you because we are passionate about being able to build generational legacy. Ryan bought the firm. So we're excited that for over 30 years, not just have we been able to come alongside you selling, buying, and investing in real estate, we've been able to come alongside you over 3,117 times doing that, but also coming alongside you to build your faith, build your fun, build your finances, build even your fitness, and build your wealth. And so we're excited that we get to do this thing together. So what we're going to discover today is that when you're buying a farm, there, even if it's not a rabbit farm, there are way more hoops to hop through than with other types of real estate. Mm-hmm. So Kelly, we got you here still. We're going to get some the inside scoop on buying a farm because so many of our clients now, especially since this whole 
COVID where people are working from home part-time and the commute isn't as frequent for many people, or maybe it's a hybrid type situation, hobby farms are all the great craze. So talk to me about hobby farm, and then we'll move into talking about actual farm. So it's uh, definitely people want land. They want space. Um, sometimes people want the ability to make extra income uh, with the property that they've got. And it's a little bit more difficult to finance uh, a hobby farm, something with access acreage or something that has additional buildings on it that you see worth a lot of money, right? If they have a huge big barn on it, you know, for you to go build that barn might cost you $100,000, $150,000. But if you can buy it with the property, then mm-hmm. typically you're going to get it at a much more reduced value. So when a bank is looking at doing an appraisal on a property, they're not interested in the outbuildings. They're not interested in the access acreage. They're not interested in the hobby farm potential of making income from animals or hay or anything else that might be on the property. So it's really important that when you're working with your your mortgage broker that we look at the MLS prior to doing anything to <laughs> look at anything that might pop up um, and explain to you how that appraisal is going to work when looking at how much the bank will actually lend you on that property. Right. So having, I think what you're saying, excess land, I first want you to qualify or quantify what does excess land mean? Because if I want 20 acres and it has 20 acres, that doesn't feel like excess land to me. That just feels like the amount of acreage I want. Yeah. But the bank is looking at the house and how many acres? So some banks are five acres, some banks are 10 acres, some have a little bit more leniency, maybe 15, but that is the maximum amount. Right. So- and I- some are even two, aren't they? Uh, no. Every, Everything yeah. is now at five? five yeah. Okay. Because I know in the past, I've been stuck sometimes where there's been, I had to do a separate value for like an acre and a half on an estate lot. And it's like, what? Mm. Right. But generally speaking, we're safe with up to five. Yeah. We're safe with up to five. And the, the, the appraiser will take, okay, what is the extra acre? What is every extra acre worth mm. above and beyond that? And they'll take that typically off whatever that value is. Right. So Ryan did just buy a hobby farm Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so I think what he needed to know in advance, he needed a lot more down payment because he needed to be able to cover that the appraisal wasn't going to come in even at the purchase price, even though he thinks he did well on the purchase, Mm -hmm. the appraisal didn't come in anywhere near what he paid for it. Right. And that doesn't mean it isn't worth it. No, not at all. It just means you're not getting financing for it. Right. So I think that's a really important thing to keep in the back of your mind as we talk about even investment properties and we as we have chatted about those and when we talk about farms and other types of properties, just because the appraisal doesn't come in doesn't actually mean it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It just means the bank isn't willing to lend on it. Correct. And so they'll reduce the overall purchase price to the amount that they deem the property is valued at just using the house with the set amount acreage. So without value of the outbuildings, no, no outbuildings, no, nothing. So if you have a garage, that's definitely going to add some value. But if it's, you know, $150,000 garage, because, you know, it's a hundred feet by, you know, 50, that isn't, you're not going to get that type of value on it. So with Ryan, the buildings were a big deal for him. Yeah. The acreage was a big deal. That's what he was looking for. So if you're buying a property with 5% down, there's going to be way less wiggle room for you 
to play with that purchase price, right? Because well, they're next to impossible. You're not going to be able to buy. No. Like, let's be real. Yeah, you're not buying it unless somebody wants to give you extra money. Mm-hmm. It's not a five percent down purchase. No, definitely not. Um, unless you can figure out how to put all that value into five acres, five or ten but, acres. But you, yeah, it doesn't can't. really work. No, no it, because mean, people want value for their acreage and their buildings, right? Right. People selling. aren't willing to sell it at a reduction just because you don't have cash. Right. And the banks are also looking for things too in purchase agreements. You know, are you trying to sell the tractor uh, with that? Are you trying to sell some of the animals that may be currently on the property? They don't want to finance any of that either, right? So None of it. None of it. So um, inclusions are really important when we're looking at the purchase agreement, the MLS listing, and um, whatever access that you think you're paying for. And the banks really just don't want any property that you're going to be earning your income from because they don't want to be taking away. If they ever have to take the property back, they don't want to take someone's ability to pay their bills as well. So I remember years and years ago, the bank had said, you know, if there's a chicken and it laid an egg and you made a dollar off it, we don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to finance it. We don't want to finance it. Right. So So that now we're talking more working farms, Mm -hmm. right? So we want to be careful in a case of a hobby farm that we're not showing income. Right. That we're not making it a business transaction. Right. Because now we've got income tied to property, and now that creates chaos right. for and the institution, for the financial institutions, and it's a business. Yeah. So now if it's a working farm and it is a business, how do you finance that? So that's when you would go to somebody like Farm Credit, and that's their whole specialty is looking at the type of land, the type of income, the financials of the property. It's a whole other – we don't – we don't do anything. You don't of that. touch that no. and you don't even introduce that no. out. So if you're thinking hobby farm, call Kelly. If you're thinking anything else or hobby farm, still send us an email at together at deckerteam.com with the subject line together because you're just saying we want to stay connected. We want to move forward together. And so that's a great way for us to continue to give you access to information, new programs that we're doing, workshops that we're holding. All of that you'll have access to because, you know, on these Life's Inside Track, we can't cover it all, right? Because there's still so much more to say about even the topic of hobby farms. Yeah, even something like a simple appraiser, you're getting a city appraiser to go in versus somebody who does these types of properties on the regular basis. So knowing which lender to go to in order to make sure that you have the ability to use somebody that knows this stuff inside and out is a big deal. We've seen big differences in purchase prices to the banks because somebody wasn't familiar with that type of property and they're coming from the wrong place. Absolutely. Or area. Right. They just don't even understand what we're talking about. So I think what I'm saying to you is even if you're just considering thinking about whether it's a hobby farm or any type of property, you do want to call Kelly and you do want to connect with me so we can make sure we can get you connected so you can explore your options. Because we know that when we have options and they're clarified, we're going to make wise choices. So we are grateful that we get to be your advocates. And we are actually quite honored to be your advocates on the journey of life exponential and building wealth. Moving forward with the Decker team. Moving forward together with the Decker team.